The Minister of Women in the Presidency, Batabile Dlamini, and the Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee in the Department, Tandi Mamela, have saluted the bravery of Cheryl Zondi, an alleged rape victim testifying in the trial of the Nigerian pastor Timothy Omotoso. In their statement, they say that Cheryl Zondi is an inspiration to millions of young women who have broken the silence on sexual harassment. Omotoso and his co-accused and alleged accomplices Lusanda Solani and Zukizwa Sito are facing 97 charges that include human trafficking, rape sexual assault in the Port Elizabeth High Court in the Eastern Cape. Now, they have expressed outrage at the style of cross-examination, that is the ministers now, uh, the cross-examination by the Defence Counsel Peter Doberman. They say this might discourage uh, survivors of sexual violence from breaking the silence. Let's listen to what happened in court this week, but I just need to warn you that this following clip may upset, upset rather sensitive listeners. So he did insert his penis into your vagina to a certain limited extent, is that correct? Yes, to a very slight extent. Yes. How many centimeters? Do you know? How can he measure? How would the he Lord, she could have how, felt how, it. How, how, how would he know that? How many centimeters? How would he you know that? How would she know that? She could have felt it. And then measure it at the same time. I would not allow that question. I'm not going to allow it. Lord, you, you, yes, I am saying that she wouldn't be in a position to measure how many centimeters, and I'm not going to allow that question. Lord, you with respect, you're hampering my cross-examination. No, I'm not at all, but I'm not going to allow a question where you ask the witness how many centimeters did she penetrate. Did he penetrate it? Lord. Do you know the centimeters of this? <coughs> she doesn't know. Then we can carry on with it. Lord, you disallowed me from asking the question and you yourself asked the witness. Yes, I did. Because you insisted well, that you should. Well, Lord, I don't understand why you prevented me from asking the question. It's because I don't allow it. I didn't allow it then. I would ask your Lordship not to hamper my cross examination. No, I would, I would never do that. I've been quiet all along. And I would never well, do I appreciate that, my Lord. Exactly, but if you are asking an unfair question, I have the right to tell you not to answer to ask that question. Now, for more on this, we join on the line by the former NPA spokesperson and now an independent strategic communications and crisis management specialist, Marcusini in Corsia. Very good morning to you and welcome. Good, good morning, Elvis. Uh, thank you for having me and good morning to the listeners. Now, Mr. Corsi, the judge there, as we heard in that clip, had to step in and protect the witness. But in your view on the protection, uh, if, if there was any protection given at all to Cheryl Zondi by the prosecuting team? Look, you know, obviously, uh, from the clip, uh, you, 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 you can see that uh, the defense attorney, Mr. Doberman, is a very uh, aggressive uh, person. I don't know if uh, the prosecutor uh, has felt, um, you know, somewhat intimidated by that, or, you know, are we, is it a matter of uh, perhaps lack of experience in handling matters of uh, sexual offenses? You see, it, it, it goes to what is the core of the problem here that uh, this is a matter about sexual violence, but uh, the prosecutor is male, the judge is male, uh, the defense attorney is male, and uh, for me, that that environment is not conducive for dealing with matters of this case. Mm -hmm. But what did you make of the line of questioning by the defense team? Is it because he's just aggressive, or is it uh, it allowable in a case like this when, when when we talk about sexual harassment and sexual victimization? 
look, Elvis, um, well, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, so I wouldn't be able to speak uh, from the point of view of, uh, you know, the legal point of view. But I think mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a member of uh, society, as a South African, as uh, someone who lives in a country where rape, where there is a rape culture, where women are, are abused day in, day out, and young, young women and children and girls in particular. So I'm, I'm saying we, we have to speak about this, but that line of questioning is wrong. I mean, that, that line of, of, uh, of cross-examination by the defense attorney, it, it was disgusting to say the least. Because here, when you're dealing with someone who is a victim of uh, sexual violence, you, you know, you're dealing with someone who, by definition, is vulnerable. Right, and this is someone who was being sexually abused by a very powerful man, someone who was understood to be the man of God. I think the court should be more considerate uh, to uh, the, the the rights of the victims more than they are to the rights of uh, you know people who are perpetrators of those crimes, especially powerful people. You know, if you get involved in an accident under the influence of alcohol, we assume that you caused the accident because you were drunk, right? Now, I think it should, the same principle should follow, that if you have a strong, a, 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 an advantage, someone with a privileged person with money, with power, if that person is accused by a vulnerable person uh, of uh, sexual violence, you must believe the victim. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the, we, we, should, we should follow the same thinking, that if you are caught, if you, have, you get involved in an accident, you, while you are under the influence of, 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 of liquor, we assume that you caused the accident. So in the same way, uh, we should, in a situation like here, you have this powerful pastor who is known as the man of God, right, instructing women to do things that are wrong. Uh, the state should be, the, the entire system should be on the side of the victim and not on the side of the perpetrator. Uh-huh. In general, though, as a former NPA spokesperson, do you think, and you, you spoke about rape culture earlier, but do you think that enough protection is given uh, to rape victims on the stand? Not at all. In fact, we could see it's playing itself out on our television screen. We can see it. You know, that, 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 that young woman experienced, you know, harrowing uh, things. Uh, she, she was sexually abused. And now... Uh, she must stand in this court of law where the judge is male, the prosecutor is male, the defense attorney is, is male, and she must speak in a manner that is so eloquent to convince the judge and to convince everybody that indeed she was abused. I think that's a very tall order. I think the bar is set way too high for victims of sexual violence, for them to prove that they were violated. I don't think that we are doing enough in society. I don't think that the criminal justice system does enough to protect them. I don't think that the NPA does enough to protect victims of sexual offences. That, thank you so much for your time, was former NPA spokesperson and now Independent Strategic Communications and Crisis Management Specialist, Marcosini Nkosi. Now, to talk to us further on this, we join on the line by Religious Leaders Council, General Secretary and CEO of the Bible Church, Pastor Hiet Corsa. Uh, Very good morning to you and welcome. Good morning, sir. Thank you for having me. Uh, Pastor, now we, we talk about this Omotoso trial, and, and I'm, I'm not going to focus really on the victim, but I want to know about religious leaders and, and the Religious Leaders Council. What is your view on the Omotoso trial thus far? Um, well, first of all, like Makosunikosi was saying, um, the, 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 what we experienced and watched through our television was harrowing uh, just to listen to it.
Um, and the third part is this this violence, sexual violence, is, is perpetrated by a, uh, a so-called man of God. Um, it, it, we are ashamed and embarrassed uh, to start off with. Um, it shouldn't be happening. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a very embarrassing experience. It's on our doorstep as, as church leaders and religious leaders. We can't ignore it. We have to confront it. And, and yeah, so that's where we are. It's an embarrassing and shameful experience mm-hmm. from our side. This 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 sheds a light in terms of uh, uh, the, the 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 leaders of the church and also the church's uh, protection of of the of the congregants that follow them. But the Commission for the Promotion and Protection of Cultural and Religious Rights, the CRL, uh, has drafted a code of conduct for religious leaders. Share with us what you are busy with as, as an organisation in advancing the findings and the recommendations of the CRL. Yes, exactly. What had happened is that, you will recall, there was a tension between the Sierra and, um, and the religious sector it, it, uh, because people felt that if the commission got involved, then the state is getting involved. So, uh, you know, people are very sensitive to that. However, the commission had made a very strong recommendation that they want the religious sector itself to self-regulate. In other words, um, you know, come up with something that we can all agree that this is how we should behave. In that, they came with a code of conduct, which obviously we're looking at, but that doesn't end there. We need to have a consultative meeting, which broadly uh, include everybody, so that we can agree on that particular code of conduct. And that code of conduct, in our view, should be the one that everybody can be hold to account. It doesn't matter whether you're a Methodist, whether you're from Rema Church, whether you're Catholic, uh, whether you're a Jew or Muslim. So all of us, we can agree that feeding someone with a dog meat is not acceptable. And if someone does that in our space, we can able to hold them to account. As we speak, there's nothing that we have on our hands other than to condemn other than to the police. Um, so from our own, we can't hold us, ourselves to account because there's nothing uh, at the moment. And for that, we say we, that code of conduct will be broadened, uh, will include everybody, and we want to have this meeting as, uh, as soon as possible towards the end of November, November or first week of December so that we can accept that code of conduct. And one of the things I want I should add is that we want to go to Parliament. Parliament must sort of give us some kind of teeth, for lack of a better word, because you can have a document, but if the document doesn't buy it, it mm. takes you nowhere. So will regulation then, uh, uh, Pastor, ensure that uh, human rights abuses are not committed in churches, whether they're charismatic or mainstream? Look, uh, the, the, the issue is that we're saying if you call yourself a church leader or religious leader, you should be, there should be a standard that everybody's hold by. Um, values that we live by, um, which we can hold people to account. So these things happen everywhere. I mean, it's happened everywhere. Uh, at the moment, it's a nightmare. It's a mess out there. Uh, if it's not a dog meat, it's sexual harassment. So we are in a mess, for lack of a better word. Um, so yes, we, for us, we want every religious leader or a pastor or an imam or a reverend to be hold to a certain standard. 
All right, that was the Religious Leaders Council General Secretary and CEO of the Rhema Bible Church, Pastor Khi Khosa, joining us on the line. So what's your take on all of this?